So we are working through 2 Corinthians 5. And so if we could uh, read 11 through 21 uh, on the chat. Um, why don't I read some? Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he was committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Well, um, I think the theme of reconciliation uh, screams out at us in this section. Um, just to give some context, uh, does anyone remember what verse 10 said without looking at it? Do you recall what uh, 2 Corinthians um, 5 10, um, that, that was the last verse we covered. You might be able to kind of think back from verse 11. All right, it was the judgment seat of Christ, right? That we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The Bema, it was called the Bema. Um, that was the seat in, in, in the, uh, the, the place in Corinth where judgments were pronounced. And uh, Paul was saying that uh, believers will have to uh, give account of what they did, whether good or bad. And uh, we kind of talked about that at length last time. So kind of with that in mind, Paul says, um, since we are to be held accountable before the Lord, um, we try to persuade, persuade men and women um, to what? Uh, to reconcile with God. Right, to enter into a, recon, a, a relationship, a saving relationship uh, with uh, him. So um, the way that I kind of uh, organize this passage in my mind, and uh, maybe I'll set it forth as the contour, contours for us, is I feel like 18 and 19, verses 18 and 19, Paul talks about um, the ministry 
of reconciliation. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Those of us that have been reconciled then help others be reconciled. And then um, in 19, he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. Right? Uh, if ministry is the how we do it, uh, what uh, form, what uh, conduct, etc., uh, how we take uh, reconciliation to others. Um, 19 um, helps us understand what exactly what we are taking, what that message is. How do we, uh, what are the important or essential components? Um, why, what does God mean? What does Paul mean here when he says uh, reconciliation? Uh, so why don't we start with that? Um, let's using verses here. Um, let's identify uh, what Paul says about the message of reconciliation, and then um, what he says about the ministry of reconciliation. So um, let me get help from you guys. Uh, what are the elements of the message? Are there any takers to the question? Okay, well, um, I think we started like trying to define reconciliation, maybe 19 uh, would be helpful that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. So um, reconciliation, I think technically in the Greek is a accounting term. So you reconcile the books, the numbers. But it has here a relational context, right? So what this is telling us is that because of humanity's sins, there was a breach, a barrier, a brokenness, uh, a separation, right? A, an enmity uh, between God and humanity. But uh, what the message of reconciliation is that in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, right? not only through what he's done, but in his person, literally in his body. Right? Um, there is a union, a, a bridging, uh, a joining, a fusing of these two um, opposed, these two oppositions, right? God and people. But now they can be reconciled. There can be friendship, there can be friendliness, there can be uh, a connection, um, and that was done uh, in Christ, right? And then as Joe, put in, oh, Joe and Matt put in the text, um, the technical is actually happening spiritually is that our sins, right, our sins are being um, how do you want to say it? I mean, you know, we understand it to be forgiven or forgotten, but you know, it's not counted. So here's the accounting aspect, the numbers aspect, right? It doesn't, it's not charged against us, right? They're no longer debts, right? That we have to somehow pay off. Mm. Uh, Jesus, right? 
took on the sin and its consequences, right? And he replaced it right, with his goodness and his uh, righteousness. So we have that just on almost in um, unfathomable, right? Just kind of just amazing, amazing verse in 21. God made him who had no sin, so Jesus had no debt to be sin, right? To, I mean, in our context, we could say take on our debt, but um, there's much more than that, right? To be sin, somehow um, he became sin. Right? How does that happen? I don't know. I don't think anyone can really explain it, but, um, but by doing so, right? So, there is kind of a substitutionary um, kind of in, uh, indication here, right? That Jesus um, canceled our debt and paid the debt himself. And not only that, but he switched, he gave us his righteousness, right? He gave us his righteousness uh, because we didn't have any on our own. So not only did he take the bad thing away, but he poured into us a good thing, right? And because of that, right, we uh, have this uh, amazing privilege and uh, blessing to be uh, yeah, reconciled with God, to be uh, on friendly terms. To, uh, to have an eternal relationship, to be right before God, to uh, relate to him in terms of uh, Christ's righteousness and not our uh, wickedness. Right? So here, here we get quite a um, snapshot or uh, just the core um, components of what reconciliation entailed. That it really took uh, the sinless Jesus to become sin for us. And then the, how do we say, the goodless, the righteousnessless us uh, to become the righteousness of God. Um, you've seen this probably or heard about it. Uh, I think I've told it a few times, but there's a story of a, uh, uh, a man who um, was... Uh, crying out in this town and uh, his call was to say uh, uh, new rags or new new um, cloths right he'll exchange new uh, new cloths new handkerchiefs uh, new things uh, for old right? and so comes upon a little girl who um, is weeping and she's weeping into her dirty handkerchief and she's very sad and uh, he takes um, that dirty handkerchief from her and gives her a new one and uh, she becomes you know so happy and uh, so um, life is you know improved uh, she is no longer weeping or crying 
but um, as the man walks off, he begins to weep. And then um, I think the next one is someone is wearing a very dirty clothing, like uh, it's all kind of torn up and um, it's very uh, um, soiled. And then this uh, rag man, as he's called, uh, exchanges his new like coat or jacket uh, with this man and uh, the man goes off changed and you know really happy his life improved um, whereas uh, the rag man um, he becomes uh, burdened uh, with this anyway uh, this, the story goes on and it, it's a depiction of Jesus right but it really has that nice um, kind of a pictorial element or, or depiction of uh, when Jesus gives us something, uh, he takes away that which is, you know, ever dominating us or defeating us or hurting us, destroying us. Um, and he takes it upon himself, right? And he carries our sorrows and bears our burdens. But in exchange, it's not like, um, we go back to what we had to just to generate another, you know, handkerchief of tears or soiled, you know, garment. No, you know, he gives us himself. He gives us his best. He gives us something new. Okay, so um, yeah, um, Chidi mentioned here uh, the recipro reciprocity uh, sin. Um, I, I would maybe state it the other way, right? That forgiveness, um, forgiving others is uh, a byproduct of, you know, Jesus forgiving us. So if we're unable to forgive others, then the question becomes, have we really experienced Jesus's forgiveness, right? So the parable of the unmerciful servant, where he, this guy owes the king like millions of dollars and the king forgives him. And then he goes out and, demands $20 somebody owes him and she is unable to forgive him even though he begs for the same kind of way that this man begged right so here we have um, the impact right the, the result of, of, of reconciliation and we take what Chidi said and and um, apply it to uh, then uh, the um, what we can say is the uh, ministry of reconciliation, right? In a sec, let's talk about the ministry of reconciliation because um, I think a key aspect of that, of that is the ones who have been reconciled or forgiven are the ones who then go out and help others be reconciled and forgiven, right? There is that kind of um, uh, con continuation or that kind of, uh, we are the, we the forgiven, we the reconciled, then become those who help reconcile others. But let me just um, um, make one more aspect of the uh, of the message of reconciliation, and that is uh, the death of Jesus. I think we want to make sure that when we talk about um, what reconciliation means, 
right? So in verse uh, 14 and 15, there is um, the uh, teaching of Paul uh, of how um, what uh, Jesus did for us, right? Reconciliation was brought about by a death, right? The death of Jesus um, basically paid the penalty, right? For our sin. And so um, if we, um, in the process of, of that reconciliation, right? Uh, we died, our sins died in Christ, right? that therefore all died. So again, it's that substitutionary, it's that atonement uh, motif that it comes out here. Okay, let's go now then to the ministry, of the, the how, or uh, how should we take this glorious message of reconciliation? Um, so let's you know, do that first verse. Uh, following up what we just talked about in verse 15, right? That those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So, um, right? And then we could say also in verse uh, 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, uh, as though God were making his appeal through us. So there is this principle where um, those of us that have been reconciled, it is our responsibility, our calling right, to be uh, engaged in the ministry of reconciliation. Right? And, and that verse 15 is, is pretty biting. Right? Uh, we should no longer live for themselves or ourselves. Right, that this ministry that God's given us, um, it should become right an, an important factor uh, in in how we live. In fact, you know we it, it the reconciliation that uh, came about um, it changes everything in a sense, right? Um, that we no longer pursue or dedicate, invest ourselves in what we want, what we thought our life was about, what maybe we were taught by others to, to um, go after. We, we no, no longer live for our own pleasure, our own glory, our own honor, our own pet agenda, but uh, we live for God. Um, we're commissioned, we're, we're adopted by the heavenly ministry. Uh, and we're all commissioned as ambassadors, right? Ambassadors communicate or convey uh, one country's, whatever, life, language, culture, decisions, sovereignty to another. Uh, now we are ambassadors of the kingdom of God and we, uh, you know, we if they if God if a if a nation tells an ambassador to go to that country, no matter how far it is, no matter how hot it is or how cold it is, right? They go, right? That's their job. 
So I think Paul is saying here, that's your new job, right? Uh, you're, this is the, the way you spend your money, the way you spend your time, the values that you hold, the decisions that you make, they are not subordinate, not to your own, uh, your own freedom or your own independence, but subordinate to God's, uh, God's will. God's purpose. And so uh, the ministry of reconciliation is pretty encompassing uh, according to what this says. Right? So, you know, uh, without guilting us, it's a, it's a valid question, especially in these pandemic times. Um, have I really um, lived for God? Or have I lived for myself, my family, my things, uh, my, my desires, my perceptions, my feelings? Have I been governed by this commission, this ministry of reconciliation, or that having been maybe controlled by the ministry of me, right? I'm my own prime minister as opposed to uh, what is important. Um, I started uh, checking out The Crown. I know some of you have seen it and it's, it's older now, but the, the, the and um, there is this, um, this uh, conversation, or it's not really a conversation. Um, so Queen Mary, who is Elizabeth II's grandmother, Right. When um, I got the quote, so let me find that. When her mother, when when her father dies, when King George dies, um, and she's gonna become the monarch. Um, she writes her a letter before she makes her first public appearance, and. Uh, and this is what she writes. Dearest Lilibet, I know how you loved your papa, my son, and I know you'll be as devastated as I am by the loss. But you must put those sentiments to one side now for duty calls. The grief for your father's death will be felt far and wide. Your people will need your strength and leadership. I've seen three great monarchies brought down through their failure to separate personal indulgences from duty. You must not allow yourself to make similar mistakes. And while you mourn your father, you must also mourn someone else. Elizabeth Mountbatten. And that's her, you know, she got married to a Mountbatten guy, right? For she has now been replaced by another person, Elizabeth Regina. That's the queen, right? The two Elizabeths will frequently be in conflict with one another. The fact is the crown must win, must always win. Uh -huh. I thought that was good, right? Of course, you know, you can say what you say, want to say about, you know, monarchies and, 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 and that, that system and stuff. But in terms of, I feel like the call upon our life, right? Yeah, God's purpose, God's call on us must win, right? must always win. And 
um, you know, I think that's kind of why Paul throws in this death language, right? Um, of course, theologically, we understand ourselves to have died in Christ to sin, right? But in a sense, we too, our will, our our Mount Batonus, right, is also uh, to be set aside, right? It's now subordinate. It, it cannot be given um, primacy. And so we have verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, right? And there's a whole host of things that can be said about in Christ. Right? He or she is a new creation. What is that new creation? You're still the same, you have the same body, you got the same feelings, same emotions, right? Same likes, dislikes, same habits, same bad habits. Right? The old is gone, the new has gone. What's what's the new? The new is yeah, I think the we live for God. We live for what he tells us uh, to do. We live for what he stands for. Um, and not uh, how we want to do it, how we've done it. Right? That old, the old lordship, the old um, identities, the old names, those have now passed or should have passed. Um, a new order, uh, we are no longer uh, XYZ. We are, you know, Elizabeth Regina. Okay, um, maybe you guys have more to contribute. There's actually a few more parts of the Ministry of Reconciliation that I think can be identified. Anybody want to point them out for us if you see them? Um, if I look at verse 11, right? this there's that word persuade right uh, and then verse 20 uh, the ambassadors again and then as though god were making his appeal we implore you right so i would say that the ministry of reconciliation kind of um maybe it's not always the case but um one of the methods, one of the means by which uh, we try to help others be reconciled is through uh, persuasion. Um, there is a, a kind of an, uh, a part of it that um, tries to help someone either understand intellectually or feel it personally. Right? Um, this amazing uh, opportunity or chance to be reconciled. Right? So uh, to kind of uh, marshal <clears throat> uh, whatever, uh, it could be apologetics, um, it could be um, connections uh, that touch people's hearts, it could be serving them. But there is, uh, uh, as we take the message of reconciliation um, uh, to employ other um, 
practices or ways in which we can help others be reconciled. Um, you know, I think that, that, that there's a mention there that um, can, can be helpful. Um, and then um, verse uh, 14, right? Um, there is a, a kind of a compulsory component uh, to this ministry, right? Uh, he says, for Christ's love compels us, because right? we're convinced there's that um, conviction component again. But um, it's almost like an unavoidable or should be an unavoidable kind of uh, responsibility that God has laid on us. And I don't think he uh, like forces us against our will, right? If, we have no will whatsoever if we are against reconciliation or the message of reconciliation then you know by definition in this right we we, we would never feel compelled we and we wouldn't even like you know we wouldn't be reconciled if we hated reconciliation with god but those of us that have experienced it in any way right we all know right that there's something that because we've been the beneficiaries uh, there is that kind of welling up, that wellspring of, of like, uh, force or even um, power, uh, this kind of motivation that uh, we need to take the message of reconciliation to others, right? For Christ's love compels us. Right? Again, it's not like God Jesus puts a gun to our head and says, unless you evangelize, you know, I won't let you into heaven or something like that. Uh, it, it's this, you know, if we have any sort of gratitude, if we understand our reconciliation, again, going back to what Chidi wrote, if we've been forgiven, right, uh, we can't help but forgive others, right? If we've been reconciled, we can't help but share that message of reconciliation uh, with them, with others. So um, this, this kind of you could think of it as duty, um, but I think of it as kind of um, like, an, like, again, a power source or um, uh, a motivation, even a justification, right, for uh, how we spend time with the Lord, spend time with each other, spend time, you know, meeting people uh, and the like. Um, I remember um, when I was trying to figure out how I wanted to serve the Lord in um, my own particular career expressions or my professions, um, each time I, I was really kind of praying about like, what's the best way uh, for me to try to, um, you know, be a witness. And, and I think at different periods of my life, there were different situations and different um, stations in life, um, different experiences, different giftings, right? Different compulsions that 
that I had. Um, and, you know, um, I think I had to go through the whole gamut of like talking to my relatives or, you know, some friends who weren't Christians about, you know, some of the choices I were making. And I really, you know, almost said, you know, I, I feel like I don't have a choice, right? I feel like this is where I should, what I should be doing. And that if I don't do it, that there's going to be a, a, a pretty deep, dank, dark um, emptiness, right? Uh, to it, right? There was that kind of uh, almost uh, unavoidability uh, to, at least for me, for, for what uh, I was doing, right? I think uh, other, you know, we, we feel other kind of compulsions, right? I have to take care of my kids or I have to, um, you, know, uh, you know, whatever our personality, we, we see those kinds of things, but this is kind of a spiritual conviction, right? Uh, this is something that uh, we find um, like unless we respond to it, unless we submit to it, right, we are going to more and more uh, whatever, uh, kind of suffer or be ineffective. Or there'll be something incomplete uh, in us um, that unless we go, unless we do this, unless we uh, res uh, obey God this way that um, yeah there's that unreconciled parts of our spiritual life um, I tell the story a lot because I love it but Hudson Taylor was a uh, famous missionary to China and you know he suffered so much for taking the gospel there and uh, he kind of sparked a, a missions movement right and anyway he, he went back to um, England or UK once and, and uh, was recruiting new missionaries. And so he he interviewed them, like, um, you know, the qualifications and then their calling and all that kind of stuff. And uh, apparently he, he like rejected everyone that applied, right? Because he felt like, you know, for, for, for various reasons and, 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 and the like. And um, so I think he was asked later on, like, uh, what are you looking for? Um, in terms of uh, qualifications for one of these candidates. And he said, uh, I ask them, uh, when I ask them, um, why do you want to go to China? Why do you want to go to the mission field? He says that he waits, he needs to hear one answer if, he's, if he wants, in order for him to think that they really are called um, to serve in that way. And he says that they have to say something like, you know, the love of Christ compels me. <laughs> Basically, I have no choice, right? That if I don't go, if I don't serve the Lord, uh, it's not, you know, I can't live. Uh, you know, I, I can't, um, right? Uh, there'll, there'll be something broken uh, in my life. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that was really kind of, not that, you know, we all have to have that answer, but, uh, he's saying that we need that strength. We need that kind of, uh, of, of, of compulsion and calling, right? Uh, to experience uh, God's power um, uh, within us uh, in, in order for us to endure or continue the uh, ministry of, of reconciliation, right? Um, 
right? Uh, was there any other um, kind of observations about the text that tells us what the ministry of reconciliation should look like? Right, I'll, I'll just make a last point. Then uh, if we wanna, Alice shared a reflection if she wants to talk more about that. Uh, verse 16, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Um, I've been thinking about this verse, you know, for a while. And uh, I think it's, 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 it's like not a big point, but I think it's a very helpful one. Um, in, in terms of like this um, burden or, or kind of like what really helps us um, carry out the ministry of reconciliation. And I think that um, we think, we look at things, we view people, especially kind of from a worldly point of view, meaning that um, you know, we uh, look at them, I guess what Paul is saying here in verses 12 through uh, 13, right? Uh, trying to uh, kind of judge others, maybe based on, you know, what we think, um, you know, by our own standards or by the world's standards, right? Um, so, you know, if we think someone is like, I don't know, too, too high for us or too, too lofty, like we're not qualified to talk to them or maybe someone, we look down on somebody and say, I'm better than they are. And so I don't really need to talk to them. But, you know, I think Paul, what he's doing here is um, he's kind of categorizing everybody equally, fairly, you know, um, he's using just one standard. Right? Are they reconciled to Christ or are they not? Right? Um, I don't think he's trying to simplify. Uh, I think what he's doing is uh, telling us what's most, you know, uh, what's really most important. Right? So uh, a person could have everything that the world offers. A person could be you know, top of their field. They could be doing just everything and anything. And um, if they don't have Christ, if they've not experienced his forgiveness, in the end, right, that's not going to matter at all. It's not going to count. But, you know, and, and a lot of people think that it is. And the, the, the end result is that, um, you know, they're going to be sorely disappointed and, and heartbroken. And everyone that, you know, thought they were going to make it um, are, are going to be heartbroken too. Right? And so, um, and, and, you know, others that maybe we don't regard so highly, we don't really like them or we don't we're not really respect them or admire them. If they have a relationship, a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, that's everything and when it comes to spiritual matters. Not that, you know, we don't have to sanctify our character and, you know, grow and stuff like that, but, um, you know, they have experienced uh, what God finds most important, right? A relationship with him. Um, 
And I find that I don't really, uh, that doesn't really come into play for me that much. Right? That I uh, maybe still use a worldly lens um, to, so for Paul to kind of come out so clearly on this, I think it's, it's a challenging way to look at others and to look at maybe even yourself, right? Like, do we want to be known purely because of our reconciled or unreconciled status to God? I'm not sure. I think I want both. I want to be known as someone reconciled to God, but someone who's got some worldly chops too. Right? But I wonder if that takes away from some of the stuff we've been talking about, burden, compulsion. Right? In chapter 6, Paul goes on to urgency, right? Today's the day of salvation and that kind of thing. So um, anyway, uh, I think stuff to chew on from Paul's writings here. Uh, we try to organize it for us as the message of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation and stuff. So, um. Yeah, Alice, I mean, uh, you want to talk more about this? Do you want people to chime in? Um, what, what's, help us out here. Oh, no, I was just, um, yeah, I guess I was just thinking that um, sometimes, I guess there's a sin in feeling sorry for yourself and trying to justify behavior maybe. Um, because sometimes I feel like, oh, uh, you know, when you were talking about, you know, being selfish, sometimes I feel like I'm not a selfish person, although, you know, obviously I am, but sometimes I feel like I'm not selfish, but I'm just trying to, you know, pay my bills or take care of my family or just like live day by day. Um, and just life is really hard. But uh, that's kind of me justifying not really responding to God's call to, yeah, be reconciled the way that, you know, God and Jesus is to me. Um, I guess, like, my personal, it's just, like, I feel like I'm always going to struggle with this, you know, the rest of my life of, you know, God gave up everything for me, but I feel like even me giving up one tiny little crumb to God is so hard. Um, so, yeah, I just felt really challenged by the passage. I just, it's like, I think about Jane and every time, you know, we give her a whole bowl of, you know, food or something that she really, really likes. And then we ask her to share one piece with us. And then I see the look of panic on her face. Because she's like, oh, I, I don't want to share anything. You know, she's like panicking, like, oh, my gosh, like, it's all going to be gone. Like, I don't get any. And we're like, there's a whole box of cereal in the pantry. You know, like, if, you know, it's like, I don't know if that's a good analogy. But, yeah, I feel like that a lot of times to God. Like, God gave up everything for me, um, kind of like what this passage is saying. But man, just being reconciled to him and rec being reconciling myself to others is um, very, very difficult. So, because sometimes I just feel like I'm in survival mode, but yeah, that's it. Well, thanks for sharing that, right? I think probably a lot of us relate to that. 
I don't know if the others want to offer some thoughts of encouragement or advice to Alice. <laughs> I don't know if she, that's what she wants to hear, but since she shared. Um, I think if I had to offer some thoughts just in response, uh, I think the comprehensiveness of Paul here is pretty daunting, right? And even as we kind of, it's pretty um, like sweeping, right? What, what Paul is saying. And so um, sometimes when there are a lot of things going on, it just kind of, right? How can I add more to it? Um, I think that does feel, I use the word daunting and stuff. So I don't know, my practical advice, if it's worth anything would be do, do what you can, right? And if you're reconciled to God and, you know, you are, you just, there, there is no room to, you know, do all of this, then do what you can. I mean, um, like, I think a person would, there's a lot of things that go into like a season of survival, right? When I've gone through it, I found that even when I don't think I can do anything, I find some ways to do a few things that I didn't think I could do, right? If they were, if they're thrust upon me, right? Like, you know, Alice, in your case, you know, Jane, the gift, the beautiful, wonderful, time-sucking <laughs> uh, child, uh, you know, you found a way to bring her in, right? Because she's important and she was a gift from God. So I don't know. Um, my thought would be uh, find a way to do a little thing and, and um, you know, uh, we probably all have to examine, you know, what, what is competing for our, our energies and times, right? Um, I think, I think it's fair to say that rarely are we uh, so consumed by uh, in other words, there is there is times and we, we need it. Like we need downtime. We need um, kind of unwinding time. You know, we need kind of stress relief time and stuff. But um, we don't need all of that sometimes, I feel. I found that even the, the, the crazy days, um, like, like the pandemic, um, I feel like I was so busy and I had no time for anything. But if I really, you know, kind of, look at what I did I can't really say that I redeemed the time that God gave me right um, so uh, maybe coupled with that with you know just a, a thought or two that where you can do what you want um, let that um, be a start or maybe that's all you can do but you know as long as kind of we're uh, we really are serious about the ministry of reconciliation I think that's that's how I would approach it. Okay, let's uh, wrap up our study time and continue to share or hang out with prayer. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for uh, allowing us to look into this text and. Uh, as Alice said, hopefully learn something from it, be challenged by it, um, hopefully not to uh, 
be further loaded down, but instead uh, find ways in which um, uh, we can live uh, in alignment uh, with your word. Um, help us to uh, reflect on what it means to be compelled by the love of Christ. Help us to experience um, being an ambassador uh, for Christ. Help us to practice uh, no, not uh, practice not looking at others, judging others with a worldly point of view. Some of us need uh, to be new creations, uh, to have a maybe a fresh start, a fresh look, a fresh approach to uh, serving you. Uh, some of us need tweaks. Uh, we need something uh, to, to be uh, adjusted uh, in our lives. But uh, most of all, Lord, I pray that uh, we will no longer live for ourselves, but live for the one who died and rose again. That really is the, uh, the, the center of, of our reconciliation experience with you. Um, as we um, have embarked on um, 2022, as we have uh, hopefully undertaken the key verse for the church of proclaiming him, uh, admonishing and teaching and presenting others as perfect, um, please help us to see how that might uh, be gained, how that might be uh, uh, engaged, how that might be testified to uh, through our experience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.